Hey, it's Dr. B, and you are listening to the PRN Podcast. PRN stands for As Needed in Medical Terminology, which is going to be what we're going to be giving you during this podcast, which is as needed advice on how you can change your life, your lifestyle, whether it's in the bedroom or at work. It's As Needed with Dr. B and Fred. That's me. And that's Fred. This is the Dr. B Show. Wait, no, hold on. We're not changing the name. We are keeping it as PRN. This is PRN, which stands for As Needed, which... If you've ever been to see a doctor, sometimes they'll give you medication that's as needed. Sometimes they'll tell you to have sex as needed. Sometimes they'll tell you to do whatever as needed because you don't always need that stuff every single day. So what we try to do in this podcast is give you advice on an as needed basis. You can take what you want, either with a grain of salt or you can take it and try to prove your life because that's what we're really trying to do at the end of the day. We want you to live longer, healthier, happier, and just have a good time. So we're not changing the name. So just to give you a little history, we uh, threw a bomb on Tom earlier today, uh, telling him we want to change the name. This is after someone spent eight hours making our logo. Uh, so 80. We're not 80 hours. Just kidding. Okay. I haven't, uh, uh, you told me not to talk about bills, so uh, <laughs> but I haven't seen that one yet. Let's keep our, keep it our, our little secret. So uh, I've been a little emotional, sentimental lately, to be very honest with you. Um, this week, um, I think mentally and physically, I've been very happy. Work is good. But I've been kind of noticing the small things in life lately. And I, every single day, go on the hospital floor to round on my patients. Um, or I'm just going through to go to get to a doctor's lounge to get a free soda or Coke or whatever, uh, Diet Coke. Uh, but lately, I've been kind of like taking it slower through the ICU. So the ICU stands for intensive care unit. That's where the most critical patients in the hospital end up. And when you walk through, there's these big rooms with these big doors and they're big because if the patient starts crashing they open everything wide up and there's all these things hidden in the shelves on the side like you could go from it looking like a really nice place to just having crash carts and tubes and lines and medications and the floor could be bloody as heck within minutes what is a crash cart a crash cart is basically a cart that has everything you would need to resuscitate someone. Okay. So just to basically preserve someone's life. So is it is it really just like a, a shelf on wheels? Because I keep hearing that expression. That's basically it, it. Honestly, looks like a toolkit, okay. like something that you would buy at Home Depot, but it's medical grade. It has a lock on it because you don't want people going in there. But it has some of the most high powered medications to get your blood pressure up. If your blood pressure is too high, it has the opposite. If your patient is on drugs and overdosing, then it has that as well. It has basically everything that you can humanly possibly think of. If your patient has a rupture or, or, or something wrong with their lungs and you gotta put a needle in it, it has that. You can put big IVs in. It's basically anything that would be needed to preserve someone's life. It's, it, it's, it's pretty rad. Like when you see it and you see it open and how it's used. The cool thing is like, the people that are responsible for the crashes, like so the hospitals basically have like these code words. So sometimes you're in the hospital and be like, why are they saying code blue, gray, orange? Or why are they saying code Sally? Those are all codes that we've memorized for our individual hospitals that we know like, okay, this one means that a patient is lost. <laughs> this one means that a patient is crashing. This one means that the patient is having a seizure and they're coming into the ER within five minutes. Um, this one means a fire. This one means a terrorist attack. I mean, there's codes for everything. And they're usually on the back of our badges just in case we forget when we hear the codes. But when a code happens, the cool thing is like the card is there, but you need someone to use the card. And it's basically like a symphony the second someone walks in. Um, you basically, once that code is called, within 
seconds to minutes, you have probably like 10 or 15 people in that room. And every single person in that room knows exactly what they're supposed to do, what their responsibility is. It's like a pit crew. Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing because you may not have a code for months. And then you have one and everyone, like all of a sudden, doesn't matter what they're doing, everything is dropped. And that patient becomes the focus. And so that pit crew, like when you're at a NASCAR race, like if something goes wrong, whatever, you lose the race. But this is like someone's life. Not only is it someone's life, it's someone's brother, someone's sister, someone's mom, someone's dad. So this is like, you got to have your act together. Um, From the nurses to the assistants to the pulmonary techs to the doctors, I say doctors because there'd be multiple doctors coming in at the same time, is you're basically trying to preserve that person's life. But what I'm talking about is before they crash. Like, so when I'm walking through the ICU, you see these big doors and you see patients like, you see patients with tubes all over their body. You see patients with their legs chopped off. You see patients with big wounds. You see family members huddled around a patient crying because they've pulled life support now and it's basically their last few breaths that they're experiencing with with their with their loved one. That's so sad. It is. It is. And so what I've been kind of doing on a daily basis now is looking inside these rooms and seeing like who is in the room with the patient. And a lot of the times you have no one there for days. These patients are just there That's all by themselves Hmm. and sometimes you see a loved one like their significant other or a child there 24 7 and the saddest ones really are not the ones that are alone or the ones that always have someone there it's the ones where you don't see anyone for weeks or months and then you finally see like all these people show up and crying and bringing flowers and candy and trying to make the best of, of of the time that they have i think that's the saddest scenario because all these individuals had opportunities to be with that loved one before, like when they were healthy, or even the 32 days that they ended up in the hospital, and now everyone is there at the last minute. And so someone would be saying, like, well, what, but, but why aren't you sad when there's no one there? Mm. Because then you know there's no, like, falseness, no fakeness around that patient when, he, when they're in their last few days. But then sometimes you see these individuals that just show up at the last minute. Now, maybe they have things going on in their lives, you know, so you can't judge them. But I, I always start thinking like, you know, not really, I don't judge them, but I'm judging myself. Like, which kind of person am I going to be? Right. Am I going to be the person that just shows up at the end because I'm so busy working and doing other things? Or am I going to be that person that's constantly there 24-7, which would mean sacrificing career, family, and everything else I want to do? Or am I going to be that person that, you know, if that moment in time comes, it comes, but I'm going to be happy because I've spent as much time as I want to with that loved one. And this is when I really started thinking about my parents. The, the positive of this is the, the florist has to be doing great business there. <laughs> so you're right. I mean, it, 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 it's, it, yeah, there's always flowers uh, in some patients' rooms. We actually have a flower shop uh, down below where, you know, there's flowers are always gone. Someone's always buying flowers. I don't really understand that. Why do... Why is flowers a a way of showing appreciation or love? It's a sign of life. It's a a sign. It's a sign that uh, things are going to go down in the bedroom for me. (laughs) Mm, I don't know about that one. (laughs) So flowers have a... You're right. I really don't understand why they have... You're right. So it's a sign of life. Yep. But you got to keep watering it to make it grow. 
So you're one, one thing's dying and the other thing is growing. Is there a crash cart for the flowers? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I, maybe there is. I don't know. I mean, I've never been to a floor shop or anything like that. I mean, I have lastnight.com on Valentine's Day or Mother's Day or something. Been there. Yeah. Uh, or, or funny story. Going on a tangent, I for the first time bought flowers on Amazon. Amazon Prime two-hour delivery for Valentine's Day. So I timed it perfectly so that I I, I was like I'm gonna get home at six. It's supposed to arrive between six to eight. And I will grab it before my wife sees it. So guess what happens? They deliver it early. So my wife sees this big package of Amazon Prime flowers with the cost of the flowers on them. So $19.99. Oops. Two dozen roses. And she's like, okay. She's like, oh, I love them. But in reality, I knew she was like, this guy bought me Amazon Prime flowers. And I can see that he ordered it exactly four hours ago. And he forgot about me on this day. So, uh, you know, flowers sometimes can also get you in trouble. But, but back, to, back to the hospital. So, yeah, you do see a lot of flowers. You see a lot of balloons. You see a lot of cards. Um, and th- there is a lot of sadness to it. Um, and the sad thing for me is I can't do anything about it. Like, if there's no one next to them, there's no one next to these individuals. When they are there, like, what's their true reason? I don't know. Um, but it, for me, it's all about self-reflection, like, you know, like looking and seeing, like, hey, what can I do differently um, so that, you know, I'm not having any regrets. And I think at the end of the day, it comes down to regrets. Have you had patients open up to you and, and just chat because they're lonely or? Yeah. Yeah. And you, and you get to spend I, some time with them? I do. And so I'm always behind in clinic. Always. And, you know, some people say, oh, every doctor is behind in clinic. But we actually really limit the number of patients that we see in a day. Um, But even then, I'm usually like 30 to 45 minutes behind schedule. And that's because I really get to, I really want to get to know my patients. And even if uh, our nurse practitioner has seen the patient, we already have a plan, I still go in there and try to find a common ground with them. Um, And I like to get to talk to them and know them because I have to build that trust. So they're trusting me with their cancer. They're trusting me with their pain. They're trusting me with, you know, a, a fellow loved one. And so I feel like I need to really earn that trust, not not just get the trust because I have the word doctor before my name or MD after my name. Um, it, it's I really want them to trust me um, like they would anyone else in their family or a loved one. So um, they do. And actually, this past week alone, so there was this. Uh, 80-year-old gentleman who I've been following for something just routine. So every time he comes, it's more of a social visit. Uh, and I've offered him, hey, you really don't need to see me anymore. He's like, no, Dr. B, I, do, I, I just like coming to talk to you. This time was interesting because this time he told me that his daughter, his daughter, uh, I think was in his 40s, was just diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm. And, you know, this time when he walked in, he just seemed a little different, a little off. And, you know, I was just like, hey, you know, your, your labs are fine, blah, 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 you're peeing good, you know, we'll see you back in six months. But then I noticed, like, he, there's something off about him. And he's usually very chipper, happy. He wears his one hat every time he comes in. And this time he didn't have his hat on, he wasn't shaved. So I just took a moment, like, hey, man, is everything okay? And he said, nah, doc. He's like, doc, do you have kids? And I'm like, oh, man, where's this going? <laughs> um, and I said, yeah, I have daughters, blah, blah, blah. He's like, well, my daughter just got diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh. Mm. And so I just spent the last month up there with her because she's gone through surgeries and she needed help with her kids and her family. And it, it's, it's just been very overwhelming because I feel like she's going to die before me. Mm. And wow. that's not how life is supposed to be. No, it's not. No. So 
at this moment in time, what do you do? You're, I'm already an hour behind in clinic. We got, you know, Good Morning America on the TV show with all this happiness going on because we have TVs in every room. And this guy is really opening up to me about this. And so it's like, man, I'm a urologist. Like, you know, what do I do next? And I think, you know, I'm going to pat myself on my shoulder a little bit here is that, you know, it doesn't matter what's going on outside. I'm going to be there for him because I may be the only one that he has a chance to talk to or wants to talk to or can open up to. And so we just had a conversation about life and we talked about what he's going through. He mentioned to me that he may not be able to come to the next appointment because if he's up there, et cetera. And I told him, listen, man, if, if you, if it's times are going to be rough and I'm like, honestly, I see death every single day and it sucks. But what you can do for yourself and for herself is spend every moment that you can with her. Hmm. And so he asked me, he's like, he's like, he's like, what kind of father do you think you are? I'm like, to be very honest with you, sir, I'm not the best, but I'm trying every single day. But to see the love that you have for your kids, I want to have that same love for my kids. And I want my kids to have the same love that your daughter has for you um, uh, in the future. And so I got to become better. So it's wow. interesting is, 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 is I am their doctor and I'm giving their advice, but to be very honest with you, every patient actually serves as my doctor because wow. every connection, every moment, every time I talk to them, I'm learning how to improve myself, whether it's as a surgeon, whether it's as a medical practitioner or whether it's just as a human being. Well, you're dealing with human beings that have legitimate fears and concerns and scares. And I like, I I'm terrified to go to a doctor's office. Like, worried that you're going to discover something that I'm going to die in six months, you know? So I think a lot of people, the, your ability to break that down and be an, another human being and learn from other human beings is, is a really powerful trait. Yeah. Is, is it best to give them like a $20 gift certificate to Carabas? <laughs> well, sometimes when we do a run late in clinic, we do give them coffee or, yeah. or something. Yeah, but see. honestly, like a $20 gift certificate is, is, is nothing compared to me giving them 20 minutes of my time. Mm. I mean, mm. that is priceless, valuable. And, you know, the guy started crying towards the end mm. and he got up and he actually gave me a hug. And then, you know, I'm, I'm not going to try to be macho in here and say that I, I didn't do the same. I mean, you know, it's a very, very emotional very um, uh, time. And there's so many scenarios like that uh, in, in the office that I see on a daily basis. So, you know, it, it, it really is, uh, and that's why people think like being a doctor is easy, man. They just see us maybe driving our nice cars, wearing our nice suits, um, seeing us living the life on social media. Uh, but the reality is it's, it's very tough because it's a constant emotional battle. Like I can operate till one or two o'clock in the morning with very little sleep, very little coffee. I can just keep going because really honestly, like any monkey can learn to operate. I mean, it's just like repetition, repetition, repetition. But to be able to connect, we don't encourage them. people to try that at home. No, 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 we don't. We don't. No, no. And not no. that I do that. Not that I do that. Not that I operate on very little sleep. I'm always getting my seven to eight hours worth of sleep because that's what we recommend on our PRN podcast. <laughs> so, uh, but you know what people forget is we're also human. Doctors are also human, and so when you are there, yelling at me uh, for being an hour late, like you have to understand the person next to you. I just diagnosed with a rip roaring cancer and he has six months to live. Like. Mm, it, yeah, I got to get take the time for them. Yeah. When your message, when you're gone, we actually just had two patients go on Google reviews and give us really crappy reviews. 
because they had to wait too long to get their appointment. Um, or when they were in the office, they had to wait, um, so they were upset. Um, they forget that I'm human too, and that hurts my feelings too, because I really am trying every single day to stay on track. Like, I mean, you know, Fred's there a lot, right? I mean, you see, yeah. like, I rarely have time for lunch. I'm yeah. usually snacking on things I'm not supposed to be snacking on. But it's like, go, go, It's a very, go. It's a very intimate thing for you. Your patients and you are very intimate. You care, and you spend a lot of time with them. So... Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes you can't you can't spread yourself all, all around. You can't do that sometimes. So it, you know, some people will get you know um, a little little not happy about uh, not being able to see you. Yeah. Or, uh, so. But also, also you have to understand you can't get too attached. <laughs> you still have to have your your boundaries. I mean, I have certain patients uh, asking me to be friends on Facebook. I, I don't accept those friendships. They can follow me on my professional pages. But other than that, no. I have certain patients that ask me for my cell phone. Um, I give it to some, but not to all. And they should understand like why I don't, because I don't want to get calls at 1 a.m. I mean, there's a there's a there's a protocol process. And also, I feel I feel like if I get too emotionally attached, I'll start making the wrong decisions. Wow. Because I'll start thinking with emotion. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and as a doctor, that's the most dangerous thing that you can do. So that's why, like, even my mom calls mm -hmm. me for like, oh, I think I got an infection. I'm like, mom go call your primary care doctor because I know I'm either going to overdo things or not do things the right way because, oh my, it's, it's my mom. Like, yeah, it's probably a UTI. Here's a, here's an antibiotic. No, 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 no. I still, I make them go to the doctor. I make my own sister go to the doctor. Like I, I rarely prescribe mm. anyone, any medications. Um, even my wife, she thought she had the flu and wanted me to order Tamiflu. I said, no, Go and get a, a flu swab. I regret the decision because it cost us two hundred dollars. <laughs> there is that. Yeah. But wow. but but you got to have your your boundaries, and you can't get too emotionally attached. But um, I still remember there was one patient I was really attached to, and she actually passed away this year. I've known her since day one uh, in Claremont. She was one of my first patients I saw. Lovely patient. Like her and her husband used to, you know, bring me like candy and snacks, and then they found out I love eggplant parmesan. So every time they used to come to their office points, they made me eggplant parmesan. Mm. And when I saw her in the hospital, she was, you could tell, like, it, it wasn't going the right way. She total, like, 180 from what she used to be to within, like, three weeks, a, a total decline in her mental status, her health, looked very frail. And when I saw her in there, um, I just started crying. Mm. And I rarely cry in the room, but I was so emotionally attached to her and her husband, because because they really they would brighten up my day on the mm. saddest days, and when I saw her, um, I just started crying, wow. and and it was like holy crap! So I had to like act like I had allergies. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I got allergies. I'm so There's sorry. Something in my eye. Mm -hmm. But I really did, it. and and so because you really do get attached to these people. That's beautiful. Um, beautiful. So it's beautiful, but um, you know our podcast is kind of very serious today fred where, where are you man are you crying oh because you're crying in the corner here. i mean i'm i'm thinking about terrible jokes to say but it's so serious that i i, I can't bring myself to that i i would um ask you know about their granddaughters and if they need consoling <laughs> and if they're hot yeah but but fred do you well, have life insurance but, i'll get married but fred, to what, what did i tell you to do before mother's day to spend um, time with my mom and my sister, to find time one hour a week, he told me. I, I want you to spend an hour a week with your family. Yeah, and that all came from my revelations walking through the ICU.
That's it, that's amazing because I, I rem- actually called my mom today. She didn't pick up. Wow. She doesn't wake up before nine. But he <laughs> he did <laughs> he did call me and tell me, hey, visit your parents, go see your mom and dad for an hour. And I'm not the best with that because I I get busy, and you know I get into this rhythm. But that was great advice. Start open your phone. I want to see your screen time. I want to see what you're busy doing. So Macy, you got any thoughts today, Matt? You're you're kind of crying no, too here in the corner. No, though. man. I'm just I'm really surprised at like how moving your experiences are with like the ICU and and what these people are going through and how they connect with you. I really think it's like awesome that you take the time out of your day to actually talk with them and connect with them. And I never actually realized like why doctors were always behind. And now that you're saying this, it, it makes total sense. And like I think people should definitely be more lenient. Like when they go into like the emergency room or they schedule an appointment and the doctor is a little bit late, like they should be more, um, they should be more understanding with the doctor's time. So they should, I and mean, you know, not every doctor. You can't expect every doctor to be like this. You know, yeah. some doctors may really have a lot of patients or other things going on. But th- this brings us to a good ending point: is that you need to find a doctor that. Uh, you can c- completely relate with. Some people don't like my style. They just want to go in and out. They're like, Dr. B, I don't want to talk about the football game. Uh, just tell me my PSA score. I'm out of here. You know, yeah. they're like, hey, is there any way you can just call me next time or we can do a phone consult or something? So, you know, not every patient wants that intimacy, yeah. uh, wants that relationship. It's, it's more like a business transaction. Okay, I'm here for this, X, Y, Z. Do my rectal exam, get my PSA, we're done. Um, so you got to find someone that, that, that fits that mold. Um, but it's not only the doctors, though. you got to think about everyone else on the team, too. Yeah. I mean, I've had my nurses, uh, and you know, 99.9% of our patients are very nice, um, but you know, you got to think about the nurses, the medical assistants, the front-end staff, the schedulers. You know, they all are really doing this exact same thing I'm doing, is, is, is making sure that the patient gets the best care. And sometimes we forget that they should be treated with, you know, the same respect, um, as, as, um, as you're treating the doctor, because really, um, you know, to get to me, you have to get through my nurse, what people don't sometimes realize. So if someone is being mean to my nurse, um, you know, they they may not get the same attention that they want, uh, because, um, you know, you have to take care of the entire team. Uh, and so really you got, you got to find an office that, that you like, but you should go see your doctor at least once a year, find someone that, that, that you can relate to, Find someone that you can communicate with. Find someone that, that fits your fits your lifestyle, um, and and just do it once a year. I'm actually writing a blog right now for Orlando Health on uh, you know how often should a guy go see a doctor, <laughs> and obviously it can be different based on family history. It can be different based on you know your weight, your you know your 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 current medical history, your potential future medical history based on genetics and whatnot. Um, but the keep it simple is once a year, man. You know once a year. Uh, you know, we're all going out on Valentine's Day or whatnot for an hour or two, uh, but all you need for to come see us is an hour. I mean, maybe two hours where you can go get your lab work done, then come see us, go over it. We really aren't there to make your life miserable. If anything, if anything, I don't want to see you again for a year. You know, I want you to be so healthy. I don't want to see you again for a year. But the reality is that a lot of people just ignore it. And it's not just men, it's women as well. And it's all different generations that just ignore. And actually in today's day and age, it's even more important 
that young people like Mason go and see a doctor because if you look at the guidelines, they say if you're sexually active, you should go ahead and get yourself screened for all the STDs at least once a year. Mm. Um, so it's like, it's important to, to, to go and have a clinician that's a friend. It can be an MD, DO, ARNP, PA. It doesn't matter. Someone that basically is looking out for you and your health at the end of the day. Have you ever had to fire a patient? Yes. How come? We've um, had to fire patients if, um, you know, they either get upset with us about something, um, uh, but it's rare. I think I fired like two patients, and the the firing really came when, uh, and I've probably seen like thousands of patients, but it came when the their interactions with some of my team members were not the most pleasant. And so I made the decision that, you know, I love this guy. I've never, you know, I've haven't had a bad encounter with him when I'm in the room, but I've heard the shouting or whatever. And, and if, if any of my staff feels uncomfortable, then yes, I am going to, um, to, to make, take that next move. Yes. But it's, it's very, very rare. I mean, we've had patients fire me too. So it's not like I'm yeah. the only one that firing, yeah. you know, sometimes patients may not like the way I do things or, or they may want a second opinion. So you know, I don't take it personally, and they shouldn't take it personally either, um, because we may be good for most, but we're not good for all. On that note, this has been the most serious uh, PRN podcast. We talked about life, uh, and we need to infuse some life in Fred, because it looks like he's crying, and he's worried I'm going to look at his screen time. Let me see your screen time. What did you do today? He's a little somber. He's a little somber today. I mean, after that story, yeah. So, so Fred told me to be a little bit more serious today. And uh, Fred, give me your phone, man. I'm, I'm looking for a screen. No, phone. no, you had it. Give it to me. So let's see. Let's see. So Fred uh, was said he didn't have time to go see his mom once a week for an hour. So if you see in the last, oh my God, Fred, <laughs> in the last seven days, he's been on his phone for six hours uh, average. Wow. This week alone, you've been on YouTube almost 15 hours. You were messaging for 14 hours. You were on Safari for nine hours. You were on Messenger for an hour and a half. <laughs> he was on HBO nine, HBO Now for an hour and a half. <laughs> What's xhamster.com? <laughs> you know, you're, give me the, give me the, give me the. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's the PRI podcast here with uh, Dr. B and the rest of the team. We appreciate you listening. I'm leaving. <laughs> I think they turned your mic off, bro. Uh, if you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe. If you want to comment, go ahead and comment. And if there's something that is itchy. <laughs> Fred's, Fred's red in the face. <laughs> what is X Amster? Can you look at it? <laughs> I don't think I want to. <laughs> All right. On that note, uh, we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> Hey, you can follow me, Dr. B, on all the social media channels at D-R-J-A-M-I-N-B. It's at Dr. Jamin B on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And don't forget to follow the PRN podcast. And if you like what you hear, go ahead and give us five stars. And if you don't want to give us five stars and you want to give us less, please still give us five stars because you never know who you're going to have to get your Viagra from in the future.